Welcome to Career Tools. This week, resolving relationships that have gone sour. Big stuff. Here we go. Folks, we're going to talk about DISC briefly in this cast this week. And so we encourage you, if you haven't already gotten your DISC behavioral profile instrument, get it done. You don't have to get it from us. Uh, we do sell them on the site, but uh, we recommend you get one because it'll tell you a lot about who you are and help you begin to understand how you can work better with other people. So we're going to talk about how to help soured relationships. I can't imagine that we're qualified to do this. Well, in a work setting, we yeah. are certainly. When folks talk to us about situations at work that, that are hard, that they're having difficulty with, they tend to talk in non-behavioral terms like he doesn't like me, he never liked me. My boss doesn't want to work with my coworker doesn't want to work with me for this reason or that reason or whatever. Usually we found that uh, with some work, some, some intelligent work, you can actually improve a relationship if you, maybe you can save it, or at least at worst you can improve it. Yeah. As long as you stop saying, he doesn't like me. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly. The, that's the first thing. <laughs> yeah. Guessing people's emotional state and their, their mental state is generally bad, yeah, right? Stop trying yeah. to change someone else and stop trying to change you. Yeah, because you're not responsible for how the people feel or what they do. No. Right. Good. Okay. So what do we need to tell everybody? Okay. So we're going to start by apologizing. Everyone's, there's a bunch of people just taking a really sharp breath in, but we are going to start with apologizing. And decided they're not going to listen anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please listen. Um, we're going to use DISC to help us with that, that relationship. We're going to make their job easier that we just turned off the other half of the people listening and work at it even if they're not going to. In other words, we're going to do the right thing. Exactly. We're going to take the higher ground and, and I'm convinced that if you do that, it works. Okay. I'm convinced too. This is my way of going about things. Um, and I coach executives on this all the time when they get crossways with somebody. Look, go apologize. Pay attention to who they are. Communicate in a way that makes sense to them and work on it. And that way... You can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I did everything I could. Yeah. Good. Okay. So apologize. That's first. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to start with not every relationship can be rescued, right? There are some people who go through life and they're prickly on the outside and they're prickly on the inside for whatever <laughs> reason. You know, they had a bad childhood. They are miserable in their job. They have stuff at home that's going on that makes them just crotchety all the time. And you're not going to be able to change those people. It's like when we're, into, when we're talking about interviewing, we say that there are some hiring managers that are just not good at hiring and it doesn't matter what you do, they're not going to give you a good interview. And we can't legislate for people like that. Right. But you're not a psychologist and most of the people listening are not a psychologist and you can't psychoanalyze somebody and say, oh, it's because it's his childhood and there's no point in trying because you're just giving up and if you do that for all the people that you have a bad day with there's not going to be any people left in your life very quickly yeah well you know we, we teach this at the conference we're at the effective communications conference where we say the mistake that people make is they only interact with other people's behaviors but do we think that we're smart enough to analyze that psychoanalyze that person and and guess at their personality and then and then even in some cases say well this is how they were raised and then we project them forward a month and we, we then, from our deductions, we say, well, based on that personality and that kind of raising, here's what I'm going to interact with in terms of his behavior. There's a lot of machinations going on there, mm -hmm. and they're completely unnecessary because most people's behavior is fairly predictable. They tend to fall within 
patterns, which is what DISC helps us with. And we're terrible at guessing why people do what they do. In fact, we like to say that the only person who does things for the, for the reasons you think are people who are like you, because you assume that if somebody does something that you are surprised by, you then say, well, they must be feeling X in order to do that because I would be feeling X if I did that. Mm -hmm. But that's not true. That People do things for different reasons. However, their, their behaviors are generally in a pattern. So you don't have to worry about what their psycho, what your psychoanalyst shows because you're probably wrong. And you don't have to worry about their makeup. You don't have to worry about their upbringing. You have to worry about their behavior and their behavior is predictable. And a lot of the time, their behavior might not because be because of one of those permanent negative reasons. Exactly. It could be that they've been burned by a boss before or a colleague before. They could have been thrown under the bus by someone. They might just be hesitant to develop warm relationships with you because they've had something happen in the past because of whatever. And, and that past experience keeps coming to mind for them. It might be because there was a particular project that you worked on together that went badly or a day or a conversation that they misinterpreted or you said the wrong thing. And so none of those things are permanent. All of those things are rescuable. All you've got to do is change your attitude towards them. Well, change your behavior toward them. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, which we will assume has to do with their attitude, right? So the I assume the apology is... Before you start trying to rescue, we want to clean the slate. Absolutely. When I was writing this, I was thinking, you have to have this mental construct of, I'm starting over. Because the times when I've gone through this and I haven't had that, it's been much harder for me. Yeah, it, particularly if you think, oh, I'm just going to do this. Uh, you know, I know I need to do this. I'm going to go ahead and apologize. And then you give a lame apology, like, I'm sorry if you. Yeah. Really ticks me off. Yeah. So, think. This is a clean slate. I am going to, Monday morning, I'm going in. I'm going to believe that I've never met Brian in my life before. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to clean the slate. And whatever happens after that, it's, it's going to be fresh. Right. And then you just find a good moment and take him to the side and say, and apologize. And apologize for what you've done. Even if you don't believe that you did anything wrong. If two people don't have a good professional working relationship, then you are doing something that you need to apologize for because you're part of the relationship. And if the relationship isn't professional and working well, then you're doing something because you're part of it, right? So that's what you're apologizing for. Not necessarily for anything that you think that he made up in his mind or for some event that you see differently from him, but you're apologizing for your unprofessional behavior. So you might say something like, Brian, I'd like to say, I'm sorry. During the past year, I don't think our relationship was as professional as it could have been, and I take responsibility for that. I could have acted differently, and I didn't. And I apologize, and I want you to know that I'm going to try and do better this year. Yeah, I know there's all kinds of people out there listening right now who go, well, you know, I'm not sure I, I would say that. I and mean, now he thinks I've taken responsibility. You know, I'm, I'm to blame. Well, responsibility and blame are two different things, guys. And... As a professional, you always take responsibility for everything, for everything you're responsible for and for the things around you uh, that you have tangential responsibility for to include relationships with other people. So, yeah. And by the way, if he were to say, oh, yeah, Mark, Mark apologized. So clearly last year, the reason we didn't get along, Mark admitted it was his fault. I wouldn't have a problem. My boss came to me and says, Brian said you apologized like it was your fault for last year. I said, 
I didn't say it was my fault. I said, I apologized. I did a very sincere thing. I want to have a better relationship with Brian. You know, and I know I need to have a better relationship with Brian. And I did what I thought was right, which is apologize for the actions I took that kept us from having a great relationship. I take full responsibility for my actions. And to tell you the truth, if I was in a bad mood, I might also say, and Brian ought to damn well apologize to me as well. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and he hasn't, and I can't control that. So I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. And I think the majority of people that you say this to will be absolutely stunned that they yeah. won't know what to say because it's like when you get a very sincere thank you or a very sincere apology or when people come out with those things that are unusual, people don't know what to say. So you'll probably get stunned silence or bluster or something. So think about before you have the conversation, think about how you're going to let that person out. So will say something like, I really appreciate that you taking the time to listen to me. So are we going to the, do you want to walk to the staff meeting together? You know, oh, I'm just going for a coffee. Do you, do you want one? Something so that you can walk away and they don't have to, they don't have to say something if they don't want to. Yeah, you could even say, look, times like this are always awkward. I'll leave you be. Yeah. I just wanted to say I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, good. And there are more reasons than we've talked about when we apologize, when we say we're taking responsibility for our actions going forward, you're giving him room to suggest that it's okay to behave that way. And he could actually engage in some behavior change as well. And people get locked in behavior patterns, right? Yeah. Uh, you and I have talked about this before when we were talking about somebody who uh, the options of his behavior had been narrowed down, narrowed down, narrowed down. And, and he got stuck in the behavior pattern that he was in. And the, the one thing that you and I talked about was should we do this or should we do that and this kept him in that place and that allowed him to move on to it, get unstuck and yeah. that getting unstuck when people want to save face they want to their backs up against the wall and they and they come out fighting that whole back against the wall thing is interesting I think people don't want to change because they, now th I'm, guys, I'm not saying I'm right about this. My emotional state about situations like that is that people won't change because if they change, they're admitting that what they were doing before was wrong or ineffective. And people are afraid of that. And I have found in, in my own professional development that the more often I'm willing to just say, you know what, I've been wrong about this. I, in fact, if you ask, Wendy or Danny or Mike or anybody else has been to some of our meetings, they'll say, I'm pretty quick to say, I try to be pretty quick to say, gosh, I was wrong about that. Or you're right. Simply because I'm trying to model really hard the idea that I don't want to be tied to all of my own ideas and behaviors. And particularly if they're not getting us or me where I or we want or need to go. And I struggle with this too. The idea that if I change my mind, that therefore what I said before was wrong. Um, and that's dangerous. Apologizing gives people the opportunity to say, changing behavior apparently might be okay here. Yeah. And the other thing you've done is made your intent public. Even if the only person you speak to is the person that you've just spoken, you know, the, the other person in the relationship, even if you don't tell your boss or your team members or anybody else, having announced that you're going to try and change your behavior or that you are going to change your behavior is a really powerful motivator. Yeah, good. Okay, so let's let's talk about DISC. You know, we've talked about this before, that in many of these cases, DISC, uh, people's behavioral tendencies, their patterns are in play here. 
And we often see conflict like this or a relationship go sour when someone tends to have a different or an opposite tendency than you. You're talking to somebody who's outgoing uh, and assertive and, and personable, and you're more of a reserved, quiet, analytical person. Or you're, you're a, uh, a forceful, take no prisoners kind of logical, rational guy and the person you're working with is much more reserved and much more emotional and much more people focused and what makes sense to you doesn't make sense to them and vice versa and even if you try if you engage in your natural tendencies you may in fact be making things worse yeah it's like shouting louder when somebody doesn't (laughs) doesn't understand you hold on i'll just do my stuff even more yeah (laughs) so yeah and it's amazing how many emails we get to you and I and, and Danny and, and the rest of the team that say, I'm having this real problem. And you can you can just see from, from paragraph one, it's like, okay, you're a D and that person's a C and that's why you can't get on. And it's blindingly obvious to us and yet not right. for them because they think it's all about this report or yeah. all about this meeting. And most people think that they're pretty right about things and, or, or they're, they're doing the right thing or the reasonable thing. People think of themselves as engaging in reasonable behavior. And when it doesn't work, they blame the other person. That happens all the time. Yeah. High Ds struggle with high I's and ability to finish stuff. And they struggle with high S's being slow and uncomfortable about taking action, new action. High S's struggle with D's and I's talking too fast and expecting them to make changes. I's don't like the fact that D's and C's are unfriendly and don't seem to want to bond and connect. They don't share. And high C's struggle with D's and I's wanting to make lots of changes before we have every possible piece of data we, we could need. <laughs> so what do we do? It's all completely normal to, yes. to have those feelings. <laughs> like, don't, don't yeah. panic. It's all normal. As my dad says, the definition of conflict is two human beings in the same county. So if you're in conflict with someone, if you have a bad relationship, it's normal. Don't compound your problem by saying, oh, this is bad. Everyone else has got good relationships but me. No, you're normal. No. So you can go back over your email. You don't need to go talk to this person. Go back to your email and look at every email you have from this person and work out what their disk profile is and what yours is. And we have a series of casts that are about emails and the various profiles. So you can go back and find out which ones they are. And those casts are a bit special because they're actually a derivative from our Effective Communications Conference, right? The last last hour of our Effective Communications Conference is about The best fun. Yeah, the most fun we have at conferences. Everybody (laughs) says that. Uh, And by the way, folks, if you want to go back to the first point we made about, uh, that Wendy made about apologizing, we also have a cast about apologizing. And it's quite specific how to do it. And we encourage you to listen to that cast as well. But what we're not going to say is, okay, immediately change your behavior. If you're a D and your problem is with an S, you don't immediately have to change your behavior to imitate an S, to be completely people focused and caring and worried about everybody and making sure everybody's on the same page before you make a change because it'll drive you insane so you don't (laughs) you don't have to immediately make a complete change in your personality just tone down the things that you know are most irritating or distressing to them so these are lies Stop interrupting. Stop interrupting. Right, just oh my gosh. hold your breath and wait for the end of the sentence. And it will be really, really, really hard, but you can do it. We actually teach the one breath rule, right? Which is finish, if you're talking, if you're a D or an I, and you're talking to an S or a C, 
wait until you're finished the breath you're breathing before you answer them. And that's a good way to keep yourself from interrupting. It's devilishly hard, but it's quite effective. <laughs> so D's and C's start with asking an I or an S how their day is going and listen. And look, just smile a little bit. Yeah. Hi, how are you? And smile. Yeah, as a high D, high I, I actually find myself working on my heart rate before I have the conversation. And I'm sure my heart rate's going to go back up at some point in the conversation, but I at least start at a little bit of a slower place. If you're an S or a C, try and use bottom line up front with your D and I colleagues. Don't tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. Say, this is what I need to do, or this is what I need you to do. Right. And S's and I's try and discuss the business at hand before anything you class as friendliness. So, you know, talk about, okay, we're on this project. These are the things we need to do. Once you get through those, then you can ask, hey, how was your weekend? Hey, what are you doing? Whatever. Yeah, I, I'll give you a perfect example of this. If we apply this to the, to the apology, the high S would want to come into somebody like my, my office. I'm a high D. And say, Mark, we need to talk about something. I've been feeling bad about this for a while now, and it's bothering me, and I want us to discuss it, and I want us to come to a good place. And at this point, my head is exploding. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, what, what is going on? Did a child die? I mean, this is bad. Uh, as opposed to what the S ought to, what we would recommend the S do is come in and say, Mark, I apologize. I could have done better on our relationship in last year, and I will do better next year. Thanks. I know you're busy. I'll let you go. And I'd be thinking, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've noticed a change already. Yeah. And uh, on the other hand, if I go to the S's cube, I've got to sit down and go, hey, how's it going? I need to talk about something a little bit uncomfortable and just give me a second and I'll get to it. I've been feeling like things aren't that good and between us and I feel like I'm responsible and I want you to know I'm sorry. Now, we're then going to go even further, which I can't imagine the D's liking very much. And we're going to try to make their job easier. Yeah. So the reason, or part of the reason I wrote this cast is because I've done this, because I'm a high D, so I go round through my life breaking relationships. Um, Oh, really? And then I've had to practice restoring them. (laughs) Past Wendy would say, why should I make their job easier? Well, it's their job. They're supposed to be smart enough to do it. Like, I've got enough to do. And, um, yeah, I'll probably have some swear words in it. Just to be clear, this is Organizational Life 101. Your job, part of your job, is to make other people's jobs easier. Sociologists say one of the great things in the world, in the history of mankind, is large organizations and how it magnifies human behavior to create things that individuals couldn't create. Specialization of labor is a uniquely human achievement at the top of our pyramid of achievements. And you have to be willing to work with other people. Your work alone doesn't make the company go. It takes more than you. Uh, That's why they often say entrepreneurs don't scale. They get used to doing things themselves and they don't realize that when you have an organization of 50 people, other people have to do things. Otherwise, the other 49 are not worthwhile and you're wasting your money on salary. So if you're uncomfortable making other people's, other, uh, other people's jobs easier, you're going to struggle for the rest of your organizational life. And you're certainly going to struggle when you're an executive where you can't get anything done by yourself. It's kind of hard to work out how to make other people's jobs easier sometimes. So um, I've got a couple of examples to try and make those okay. maybe a little bit easier to understand. So it might drive you crazy that Jillian doesn't update her project tracking on the internal site because 
that puts the boss in a bad mood and then he doesn't listen to you which is really, really annoying and and so instead of stewing or taking it out on Jillian in some other way or just being angry you can offer to show her how to put the updates in it may be that she doesn't even know or doesn't like using the technology of the web-based update system so you could show her how you can write some step-by-step instruction sheets that she can follow each week and you don't even have to say they're for her you can say I did this for the team you know we might have some new hires in the future so I made this step-by-step guide you guys might find it useful too first of all you can take the attitude that she might be struggling she's not not doing it because she doesn't want to but she's not doing it because she finds it difficult so we're looking at the technology or why she might be finding it hard before we assume that she's not doing it because she's willfully trying to annoy you you could ask her if that was the case like do you have a problem like can i help you with the web basing it depends kind of on your relationship and what other knowledge you have about her ability with technology or her attitude towards the status updating and if not and she just forgets then take it upon yourself to remind her each week and it is irritating but it's better than being in a foul mood every week after the status meeting because the boss is in a bad mood and that puts you in a bad mood so you can just say hey i just updated my web base my web based thing and i saw you hadn't done yours just wanted to remind you and you could be annoying when you do that and you could be nice and maybe the first couple of times you'll be annoying and then you'll learn how to do it better or you could just say hey i'm turning in my stuff and you don't have to remind them but that's a form of a reminder right there absolutely so find a find a good way to say it and and see what happens okay give me another example okay so another one could be that it's really upsetting you that rosemary hogs the status meetings and she spends the time bragging on herself and none of the other team members don't get to say what they've been able to do during the week and the boss doesn't seem to notice because rosemary's a star and she (laughs) is but there's other people in the team doing good work too So instead of being upset, tell Rosemary you really admire her ability to give concise updates in the status meetings and say to her, look, I know I go a bit slow or I I know I focus on the data and that's not really helpful in that meeting. Can you help me with my updates and try and, and help me to do that better? And you wouldn't believe how many people will help you when A, you say to them, you do that much better than me, can you help me? And B, they're irritated by you not doing it well, and you're coming to ask how I can do it better, they'll be helpful. Yeah, and there are people who are listening, particularly the high Ds, who go, how does that make her job easier? Well, it makes her job easier because she's not ruining relationships with other people, in part. And you got to be subtle about this, and you don't want to keep pounding the nail if, in fact, it's clear they're not going to change it. You don't want to be a broken record. And you might try four or five things. And every single effort is an effort to improve the relationship. And it only takes a minute or two. And by the way, you could also try peer one-on-ones in the event that you think you could do that. I'm surprised at the number of times where I've suggested a peer one-on-one to somebody and they've agreed. Um, And sometimes they're kind of jerks. And I guess sometimes I'm kind of a jerk too. Uh, And it actually works uh, asking for it. And if you don't know what a peer one-on-one is, there's a podcast for that. Yeah. And um, and if you're upset with Rosemary, 
then there is some tension around that relationship. And so you even you making those meetings better, it does improve your relationship. So and that makes her job easier because she's not spending energy on your relationship. Yeah. And the last thing we want to say is work at it, even if they're not. Now, we're not suggesting here that you put yourself in a difficult situation by working at it and having them take advantage of you. We don't want you to be taken advantage of. We want you to do what's reasonable to improve the relationship, but not at your expense, other than perhaps a little bit of time in a reasonable, fair, professional effort to improve relationship. There's nothing, you don't have to apologize for that. But even if they're not working at it, we still believe you ought to make an effort. And yes, not everybody can be changed. Not everybody will change. And it may take some time, They have to be probably convinced of your sincerity and it probably has to be consistent. uh, And that's hard. They're probably not noticing your changes consciously, but they are noticing it subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And hopefully after a while, their subconscious will change uh, or their subconscious will cause them to consciously change their behavior even slightly. And we totally respect that you may put in good effort for three to six months and get no response at all and recognize, okay, I'm gonna do what's reasonable. I've done, I've worked hard enough at it. And now I need to protect myself. I'm not gonna go back to the old way where I contributed more, you know, I I contributed as much um, to the difficulty in the relationship as they did, Um, but I'm also gonna protect myself. There's nothing wrong with that. But it'll probably take, I would guess, three months or so at least. Uh, And if it's an important relationship, I would say take six months. And don't be afraid to say, okay, I did my best. But don't be, I'll try once and then not try for a month and then try again once a month and say that's three months because that's not what we're talking about. No, you got to be consistent because they, they've got to believe that it's not, you know, a one-week wonder. They've got to believe that, well, you've genuinely got to be doing it for the long term, not, not just that they've got to believe it. Yeah, and, and when we say we want you to be a professional, what that means is, as hard as it is for some of us to, to deal with, you're gonna put the organization first. And the organization is made up of people in relationships. And uh, you're gonna to have to do some stuff that's not beneficial to you as much as it is beneficial to the organization. But if everybody puts themselves first, you might as well not be in an organization. And I've worked in organizations like that and it's no fun. No. Agreed. Okay, wrap us up. Okay, so the first thing you're going to do is apologize. You're going to use DISC to understand their behavior. You're going to make their job easier. Yeah. And work at it even if they're not. We left this last part till last because we didn't put it in the guidance because it might be a bit frou-frou for you. So if you're the hard rational type, just follow the guidance above. And at worst, it'll make this situation less worse. Yes. And at best, it'll change completely i did this with somebody who i was at absolute loggerheads with and after six months we were going out to lunch and going out to the cinema at the weekends together look i've recommended this process a hundred times and it's worked 80 and in the 20 that it didn't everybody admitted that those people that the person i was coaching to do this with said the person's hopeless and you're gonna you're gonna run across some hopeless people so Yeah, this works. I've used it many times in my consulting. And so for those of you that can stand a little frou-frou, think of this person as a child of God, the same as you. God loves him and he loves you. And appreciate his strengths, even if you can't see them. 
and appreciate his role in life because it's no coincidence that he's there. And just keep that in your head. Keep the appreciation of his strengths, helping him with his job, knocking the edges off your behaviour day after day. And changing your thoughts will change your behaviour. I'll tell you something, folks. If they're there, the organisation thinks they should be there. Because the organisation thinks they should not be there, they wouldn't be there. So recognize that they have some organizational power and that they're part of the organization too. Good. Okay. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Bye, everyone. That's it, everybody. Hope it helps. Come back next week. We'll see you then.